You know, the Bible says he inhabits the praises of his people. Why don't we go ahead and make a throne room for Jesus to sit for a moment? Come on, let's all hail the King of glory, his amazing grace, his incredible love. Come on, let's just build up a little bit of an atmosphere where God can come and inhabit. He can come and sit. Or we make our worship your throne. All for your glory, in Jesus' name. Amen? How are we doing today? We good? Hey, can we welcome those online, and especially the men of Lansing Correctional Facility. We love you guys so much. And as we're in a cheerful mood, why don't we thank the worship team for a phenomenal time in the presence of God. You guys can grab your seats. We've been in this, uh, been in this season, we call it Bible year, uh, where we're just going through the Bible. We're reading through it every day as a family of faith. So if you're new, jump in with us if you'd wanna join. And, and then the sermons and the messages from the platform are speaking to the things we're reading about the stories, Old Testament and new that we're going through together. And, and today we got a special one. It's, um, it, to me, I'll be honest, I'm a, I'm a pastor's kid. In fact, I'm a third generation pastor, uh, a missionary's kid too. And both of my older brothers are pastors as well. Genetic disorder in the family. And uh, we actually had you know, uh, other choices. This is what God called us to. At least I think. And um, I, I grew up super saved. Like anyone who grew up like me, like every day was a church day, right? You know, some of y'all just know Sunday church. Uh-uh, that was, that was junior varsity where I came from. We were, we were way more saved than you. Um, <laughs> but I remember as a kid, I had like a favorite miracle of Jesus. As a little ginger, um, I had a favorite miracle and we're gonna unpack that miracle today because yeah, feeding of the 5,000 or the 4,000, that's great. Healing a lame person, very cool, great for them. But walking on water, that's some superhero level Jesus right there. And then someone else gets to do it too. Anyone else out there, come on, anyone else group like, you actually tried to walk on water once? Come on, tell the truth, there's some of us here. More than once maybe, like at the lake, in your pool, whatever, like, you thought faith was gritting your teeth and stepping out and it never, it never worked. But uh, we're gonna jump into that. But I wanna start off with a question. Uh, last week we talked about help. I, need, I, I, I wanna change. I need to grow. Uh, but today I wanna speak about help. Um, I'm in a storm. What do I do when I feel the resistance, the pressure, or a problem in my life that I don't know. And what I wanna actually speak to you today is that sometimes God's help is the storm. That there are storms of our own creating. He'll use it, he'll help you out. He's God of all grace and mercy. He'll, he'll rescue you from even the, the, the problems and the dilemmas that you designed. Uh, some of it's just the climate of the world that we live in. It's a chaotic world. We've all experienced the last couple of years there's some storms in life. God will use it. Some of them are, are, are specific assignments from an enemy to try to stop you, steal from you, keep you in fear or dread, and God will use it. So sometimes he'll help you in the storm and rescue you, and sometimes he'll help you through the storm and grow you. So we're gonna be in Mark chapter four, and then we'll pounce over to Matthew 14, because Matthew's gospel gives us the Peter story where he gets on the water to help. I'm in a storm. I would say this, if you're not in a storm right now, you've heard this before, you just got out of one, or you're probably headed into one. That is not the most encouraging thing you're going to hear. 
But I do believe, like, it's only a matter of time before there is a problem that you don't know how to press into. And God's actually going to show you today. But I would say, if maybe you're not in a storm, it might be because you're just staying stuck in the boat. Or you never left the shore. Some of you, like, your faith has gotten real familiar and real easy. There might be a part of you that you're only going to experience the storm when you actually have the audacity to trust God at his word or listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit and step out into something that is unknown. Let me tell you about Kingdom City Church. We are not perfect. We are perfected by a very graceful and loving God. But one thing we won't do is settle for comfortable Christianity or just doing cultural church. We believe there's a kingdom to build and there's a city to reach. And we're being built by God to bring heaven to earth, which means we are risk takers, we are storm walkers, we are water walkers, and we are stepping into new places. And so whether you're new to church here, it's like, this is a lot to take in. Good. We will overwhelm you with encouragement and challenge. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word. It doesn't just tell us stories about Jesus. It shows us our place in this master plan to bring heaven to earth, to change the world around us. From Old Testament to New, you are a faithful God, and yet you wanna build our faith. And so Lord, I speak today that every heart that has ears to hear what heaven is saying would be tuned in specifically, not to just feel encouraged in a moment, but to be challenged to follow you closer. We're going after you. And when we go after you, we will not be disappointed. Lord, disrupt our comfort boats, and help us step into places of courage, places of faith, places of calling. We love you, Lord. Keep speaking. Keep building. We're here to listen. In Jesus' name. Can I get an amen? Loud amen? amen. How about a louder amen? amen? Wow, okay, okay. My kind of church, my kind of church. There's a certain level of resistance that comes to every believer that is willing to step out. Getting out of your ordinary places and pursuing Jesus in new places. Here's what they don't tell you. When, when, when you do a moment, we'll call it a salvation moment, a believer's prayer, an altar call, whatever you grew up hearing it, it is like, hey, God's got a plan for you. God has forgiven you. You've got to receive the free gift of the grace of God made available through Jesus Christ. All those things are true, and we say them every single week. But there's another side to that gift that when you say yes to Jesus, you are saying no to who you used to be. You're saying no to status quo. In fact, you're saying no, even though he's your comforter, you're saying no to comfort. When you say yes to Jesus, what we don't always tell you is that you're going to face some difficulties because you're a believer. Because there's a calling on your life, there's going to be some resistance, some pressure, some adversity in your life. And yet God will allow and God will use everything you are facing, even the things that are your fault to grow you, to fix you to him, to, to mature you, and to change you. Resistance, pressure, and problems arise when we press into the new. As you dive deeper into destiny, I mean, when you get deeper into the water, the pressure builds. If you go deeper into Christ, deeper as a disciple of Jesus Christ, the pressure begins to build. And you've heard this before, pressure can burst pipes or it can forge diamonds. It's about where the pressure is applied. Heat, heat can be beautiful. Like you put a fire in your fireplace, it warms the home. But if you put it outside of the place where it belongs, it burns everything down. See, it's not about the problem, it's about where you put it. 
Like heat can melt wax, but it also can refine gold. And when we face trials, we, it's about where we put them and then ultimately what we're made of and who we rely on that don't just like tear us apart, but that actually God can use it to build us up. And volatile situations in your life, whether it's in your relationships or your career or your inner world, they're actually breeding ground for God breakthroughs. But there are faces, places where you're going to meet fear face to face. And if you haven't been intimidated by anything in your faith walk for a while, I'm not here to commend you that you're some sort of crazy super believer. I'm probably more here to challenge you that you're in a place of comfort, that there is a boat that you've gotten attached to, that you're on right now, and it feels a whole lot better than stepping out into the unknown. But I'm here, like the game Battleship, to claim G4, we're going to destroy your warship. We're going to blast through that place of comfort because your calling is on the other side of stepping into the resistance, not avoiding it any longer. See, fear shows what we focus on, whether we focus on our own comfort, whether we focus on our problems, or whether we focus on our problem solver and our comforter. You know, the number one fear in America is still, it's been this for years now, glossophobia. Glosso means words, phobia means fear or dread. It's the fear of public speaking. Now, what you don't know is I actually had glossophobia in my life. But Kyle, you preach every Sunday so powerfully, so poetically, <laughs> so demonstratively. It wasn't always this way. Really, the glossophobia is actually the fear of man. It's the inability to step up and say something. What do I feel like is facing not just the world, but the church, church in America? Fear of man, intimidation. I might dive into that deeper if time allows. But remember my first time ever preaching. First time. I shared a few things at Bible college, but the first time I, I, was, I was given an opportunity. Um, you could say it was a job because it came with a title, but it came with no pay. That's what we do in ministry. You get ministry opportunities. <laughs> By the way, if you like some ministry opportunities, we have plenty of them for you. But I was a junior high youth pastor at a brand new church. And a church had just got it going, and it had been going a while, and it was growing. And uh, they said, hey, we like this kid. Um, or this is the only guy who's dumb enough to sign up for this job. <laughs> and we're going to choose him. And I remember it was the first time to speak, first time we ever had a public service. And, and, and I was speaking to junior hires. And now you would not think that normally you'd be intimidated by a junior hire. And I'll be honest with you, right now, I am not intimidated by junior high. I will tell you a cool story. As they were walking in to the youth revival gathering over there, the junior high, one kid said, hey, I came to the nine o'clock. It was a good message. So I'm like, this kid, we need to promote this kid. I don't know whose son that is, but I like him. He's a winner, okay? But I remember, I remember driving to that first Sunday when I was speaking to the junior high, probably 30, 35 kids. And uh, I had this song that was like my lifeline. Like, anyone ever get a song? It was like my version of a spiritual eye of the tiger. Like, I needed that, you know, that, that, that pump-up beat. And I, remember, I don't even remember the song. I remember it was something about this is my life. It's an offering I poured out to Jesus. I just burned that thing out. Now, my car was old. It didn't have a CD player. But I had a CD player. I had that old-school portable CD player. Come on, plugged into a tape. Four of us are old enough to remember 
a tape. And I did, I was broke back then. I didn't even have the anti-skip. I had to hold that thing like a newborn infant just to balance it so I could actually listen to the song. And I remember I got up and I was, I was sweaty, I was insecure, and I brought some sort of message. And, and a couple kids gave their life to Jesus. And I'd like to say that I broke through in every area, but I haven't. It's been a constant part of my life I've had to grow in. Even though 12 years leading this church, I feel like every year I get a little more confident to really say what the Holy Spirit is wanting to say. And so maybe you've pumped through or broken through some areas of barriers, but how many know some of the things that are you're most afraid of are actually the place your biggest future is in? Some of the things you're most intimidated by are actually the areas where God wants to produce the most destiny moves in your future. So on the other side of stepping into the resistance, because I had this problem with that dilemma. I had a problem called destiny. I knew I was called to it. But some of you, the other side of stepping into the fear is actually the future that God has for you. On the other side of the storm is actually the significant thing that God has designed for you. See, the number one instruction that God, through Old Testament and New, gives all of humanity, in other words, the one thing God wants you to hear the most is not love me, love others, it's not worship, it's not give more, it's not serve more. The number one thing that he says to people time and time again, 365 times, one for every day of the year, is fear not. God knows there's something about intimidation and fear that stops your future, so he says it on repeat as much as he can. See, fear, it gives you a chance to have a deeper faith but what you don't know about the storm, the resistance, or the pain that you might be feeling right now, it actually on the other side of it is a platform of promotion, not just for your life, but actually for the kingdom of heaven to move forward. As we say here at Kingdom City, we have a, a kingdom to build and a city to reach. And for some of you, your individual place of intimidation, if you will step into that, step into that pressure, there's actually more God promotion there it's not about just overcoming the fear. It's about the future God has for you. We actually see this, Old Testament and New. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they decided not to worship the lowercase g, God of that empire, the king that set himself above God. And guess what? They got thrown in a fiery furnace, and in that place, they encountered the fourth man. Jesus was with them in the fire. But on the other end of their deliverance is they got promoted, and the the the. The story of God honoring God became the law of the land. God got promoted. The kingdom advanced. Same thing happened with Daniel. Daniel was intimidated not to pray. He was persecuted, thrown in lions. And on the other side of God stopping the, uh, the mouths of the lions was that he got to open up his mouth and share more about God. He got God promotion. Moses and the Red Sea, they stepped into the waters as God split them. And the Pharaoh chased him down, and God not only delivered him to the promised land, but he destroyed their greatest adversity, the enemy, on the other side. Esther steps before the king at the peril of her own life, and she saves God's people from genocide. And guess what? Again, the kingdom advances. It becomes the law of the land. Jesus stared down the cross and said yes, and it's secured for us eternity, salvation for all of humanity that would believe. Something good from God is always on the other side of the storm or the intimidation that you're facing leads to destiny decisions. 
And when we look at Peter walking on the water, we don't just see just Jesus doing the supernatural. We see Jesus, really Peter, as Peter would totally do, invite himself. <laughs> invite himself into the unknown. Invite himself to be closer to Jesus. I love the audacity of Peter. Peter who's not perfect. Peter pushed away from Jesus at a time when Jesus needed the most, and Jesus still restored him. Peter said dumb stuff all the time. I can relate. But I love that there's an audacity that says, if Jesus is there, that's where I want to be. I want you to start inviting yourself to step into places of discomfort and places where you've never put your feet down before, not for your own glory or attention, but to become a platform for the gospel to go forward. So I want you to look differently at this miracle today, that there was a motivation of Peter just to be where Jesus is, and he was no longer comfortable in the protection of the boat. He wanted to press in to be closer to his Savior. Mark chapter 6, Jesus puts his disciples on a boat. He just got done feeding the multitudes. He goes up to pray because he's probably dealing, what we read in the gospel narratives is like he's dealing with the death of his cousin, John the Baptist. Mark 6, verse 45, immediately Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go ahead of him to Bethsaida while he dismissed the crowd. After leaving them, Jesus went up to the mountainside and prayed. It says, later that night, the boat was stuck in the middle of the lake, and Jesus was alone on land. Jesus saw the disciples straining at the oars. Why? The wind and the waves were persistent against them. And shortly before dawn, he went out to them. I love that the Bible, just verse 48, it's like normal. Walking on the lake. And he was about to pass them by. And they saw him in the lake. They thought he was a ghost, and they cried out, and they were terrified. Immediately, he spoke to them and said, take courage in the midst of the storm. You haven't seen anything like this before. This is me. Some of you are facing dilemmas you've never seen before. But guess what? You're about ready to see Jesus show up in a way he never has before. This is me. This is I, he says. Don't be afraid. We jump over to the rest of the story that's in Matthew 14. Here comes Peter. Now, Jesus is the hero in the story. But I like Peter's example for us. Lord, if it is you, in other words, I'm still not fully sure this is a Jesus thing. Tell me to come to you on the water. And Jesus has come. Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, when he took his eyes off of Jesus, he was afraid and began to sink. And he cries out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. And Jesus said, hey, why? You were doing so good. Man, you were in a place you've never been before. No one else has gone. Why did you fail? In that? Why did you have little faith? Why did you doubt? And Jesus climbed in the boat. The wind died down. And then those that were in the boat playing it safe got to worship him closely and say, truly, you are the son of God. Help, I'm in a, I'm in a storm. God is a couple things. Some storms are of, again, your own creating or just problems in life. But God also designs situations with intentionality so that you'll be uncomfortable, so that you won't have answers, so that you can find him in a new place. So if you're in a storm, I actually wanna say, you're saying, help, I'm in a storm. God is actually saying, hey, I have something for you in this storm. Because in this storm, write this down, in storms you can see a new side of Jesus. They knew Jesus as a healer. They knew Jesus as a provider. They knew Jesus as a teacher. 
what they had not seen of this moment is that Jesus rules and reigns not just over a good word or making a good meal. Jesus reigns over everything. That even storms and even water, which is physically impossible, naturally impossible, Jesus is actually supernatural. They would have never experienced the supernatural side of Jesus at this level, ruling and reigning over all of creation, if they didn't have this storm come against them. In storms, you get a new revelation of God's greatness, his power, his presence, and his closeness to you. They first cried out, it's a ghost. In other words, something supernatural is happening, but what they find is that ghost is none other than their teacher, their rabbi, their Jesus, that is then close with them, they begin to realize when I step out into the storm and experience Jesus there, I see a side of his supernatural power. I could never have gotten playing it safe in my boat, in my place of comfort. Storms give you an opportunity to experience a new facet of the faithfulness of God that is found in going after Jesus when it is uncomfortable, when it is difficult, when the pressure is against you. Because fear is not something to just grit your teeth and overcome. God allows us to face our fears because it's an opportunity to grow your faith. And God is way more interested in you growing and maturing as a man or woman of faith than he is about fixing every problem or stopping all the pressure. Storms give you a gateway to greater in your life. It is a revealer of what you actually put your trust in. Storms show you where you trust God and where you don't. I love about the story is that they actually just say the truth. Here's a maybe surprise for some of you. You don't have to act like you're a super Christian that has all the answers. I know you're saying, uh, I, don't, I don't say that, but we, we have problems, we have pain, we have struggles that we bring in with us on a Sunday or we go on a Tuesday to a connect group and we act like we've got it all together and we'll throw out some spiritual language like Christianese, like praise God, everything is fine, God is good all the time, all the time, God is good. How are you doing today? Well, brother, I'm too blessed to be stressed. Like, no, you're actually stressed. <laughs> and you're zero blessed. Like, I love that they say, it's a ghost. I don't know what's going on. We're afraid. They're not trying to prove that they have all the answers to the one who is the answer. I play this game with my kids, and um, it's like our version of hide and seek. It's like hide and scare. Like I let, they go and hide and I, you know, we don't have a very big house. I can find them real quick and they're much younger than me, which is the nature of children. Um, <laughs> I don't have 40 year old children and, and I'll find them. And when I do, I'm like, boom, I'll jump out at them. So not only do they not see me coming, but they're trying to hide and, and sometimes they love it. And then sometimes, let's be honest, I go too far. <laughs> I go way too far. And like they'll, they'll, like every dad, like trampoline, your dad every knows when you've gone too far. You have flipped them into eternity. All right? You flip them right into the ER. And you just feel like, you know, I, I've done it. I've got boot, bless you to both my daughters. And they're like, ah, they have this awkward moment. And then I'll like, you can see the tears welling up. And you're just like, hey, I'm dad of the year. I put my crown on. Well, I feel great. You know, you don't have to act like you're intimidated, not intimidated to your God. He actually knows. If he knows the number of hair that are on your head, or that used to be on some of your head, <laughs> he knows what you're afraid of. He's not asking you to put on a face with him. I love that they say, is that a, what is happening here? Is that a ghost? We're afraid. 
Jesus, we're terrified. And when you start getting authentic and real with God is when he says, I know you're afraid, but you don't have to be. You can come closer to me, even in the midst of this chaotic season and crazy world we live in. We don't have to act like we have it all together. I think acknowledging that you might have a fear might be the beginning of being able to follow and hear his voice to get closer to God, which is the goal that he has for you. Jesus says, take courage, it is I. Don't be afraid, and then Peter says, I wanna know you closer. If you're doing that, I wanna do what you do. How many wanna do what Jesus does? You know, Jesus wants you to do what he does. The Bible says even greater things, more multiplication of things, a greater work he would do as he goes to the Father, what he do through his church, that's you and me. The greater things are on the table for you and I. And Peter just has this audacity like Peter does. That's tell me to come out on the water. If you give me the opportunity, I'm gonna go. And here's the key for us. Instead of overcoming your fear or just wishing God would silence every storm, if you wanna know the key to help you in a storm, it's to making a move towards God, not just trying to get away from your fear. It's a move towards God that is the solution. Because what we tend to do is anything that intimidates us or anything that might cost us or anything that's difficult to obey, we wanna insulate and isolate ourselves from that. When that's not really the goal, God says the goal I have for you is despite the fear that you might be feeling or the resistance that is real coming against you, if you would just move towards me, you're gonna encounter me in a brand new way. It's moving towards him, not just trying to protect yourself from the pain or the problem or the pressure that's coming against you. Because one step towards him, what Peter find out, everything that he thought he knew about the natural changed. He experienced God's power in a supernatural way. Peter's still not sure it's him, I love that, but he's desiring to be where Jesus is. Can I just encourage you, this is so basic, but I think it's so powerful. I'm challenging you today, do something new and do something uncomfortable. I haven't seen God show up. Do something difficult. Do something new. Guess what? Glossophobia is one of the biggest fears in the church. We're afraid to say anything to anybody. Why? The storms of the last few years, everybody gets canceled. Everybody's picking a political party. And here we are, not with the agenda of the right or the left, but in the kingdom of God that rules and reigns for all time. And God's looking for a people not to post and to criticize and to shout out things, but to boldly love and boldly encourage and boldly share the gospel rules over all political ideologies. I'm not saying you can't be passionate about different positions, but our heart is for humanity. Not to prove where they're wrong, but to show them the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. This is why we do 40 days and 40 ways to reach your world, because in America, the church is not reaching anybody. We're intimidated. Well, what if they find out that we actually believe all the Bible? Oh. I get it. I face this in my own life. But at just a point where I'm not here, this isn't a weapon of division. I know Jesus said, I'll cause like a division between one or the other. This is, what he's really saying is like, this is a, a stepping across of a line. Yeah. 
that I'm not willing just to live in comfort. And maybe you sink sometimes when you step. Jesus picks you up. But you'll never experience the grip of his grace and being in the unknown and maybe just a few little baby steps of this supernatural life if you always play it safe. Do something different. What does it look like for you to step out of your comfort zone? To push into the pressure, the resistance. To honor him even in the midst of a storm. Maybe we're serving naturally, practically. Maybe it's, I'm not just your preacher every couple of Sundays, but you give me the honor to, to be your pastor. To train and equip you for the works of the ministry that God has assigned for you. You get a part of church. Maybe you show up and serve every once in a while. Maybe you invest in kingdom kids. You know, every time you're not gonna get a lot of thank yous in kingdom kids. But what you will do is secure a generation of world changers for the future. Maybe it's to serve. Go to next steps. Get in a group. Get authentic with another believer. Get some right relationships in your life. Maybe to, to honor God, to serve God, to obey. Maybe even to give. Oh, the climate of the world around us. The, the, the inflation rates. Like every egg costs as much as a Fabergé egg now. <laughs> but it may be in that place of obedience, of honoring God, putting him first, giving him your first and your best. is like that is your step into the unknown. To share the love of Jesus with a world that is dying all around us. And we just would rather cruise to the other side in the rocky waters and the confines of the security of our safety blanket. The boat. But if we never get out, what happens on the other end of them getting out is Jesus comes in. And those that were afraid or intimidated to step out in the first place, the other 11, they begin to worship him. Listen, they worship him with the same revelation that Peter had 12 to 18 months beforehand. Truly, you are the son of God. That's when Jesus says, this is my Peter Pebble becomes Peter the solid rock. You're going to lead, Peter. Not perfectly, but you're going to lead. And the revelation that Peter had when he had the audacity to follow Jesus into the unknown, everyone else who didn't have that yet worshipped him and says, truly, this is a son of God. Sometimes you're stepping out, secure salvation for others, that Jesus can come to, to others. Listen, risk, risk is not natural. We are made, like, for comfort. It's the reason why I like, I like cotton. It, it's comfortable. There's a reason why you do things. Like, they, they feel good. Like, no parent sends your kid off tomorrow and be like, okay, here, we're changing everything today. Heard one message from Pastor Kyle, we're changing everything. Um, I want you to say yes to talk to every stranger. I want you to not just walk across the street without looking both ways. I want you to run across the highway, eyes closed with scissors. <laughs> we don't do that. Like, unless your dad was evil Knievel. That was not something that was said to you. We are told everything we say is, no, 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 be protected, be safe, be comfortable. And that's healthy when it comes to the raising of our kids but it's not healthy for us to raise the temperature of our calling as believers. Like faith and risk go together. Jesus in verse 1 says, come. And Peter got out of the boat and walked towards Jesus. That is one big step that led to closeness to Jesus, intimacy with him. And yet we know that Peter, Peter lost perspective at one point. He lost his vision. It says he saw the wind and the waves 
which means naturally we would know if he's looking around, he wasn't looking to. But let me say this, that for some of you, this is the only word you need for the problem that you're in. Now, the solution is between you walking with God from this moment on, but let me reveal the reason why you're in a problem. Anywhere you are sinking in life, you have lost perspective or lost the vision of Jesus. Anywhere you are sinking, you have lost sight of Jesus. Lost sight of Jesus, what I mean? Well, my, I, I was really working hard at loving my spouse, getting over their hangups. I can't take it anymore. Well, if I look unto Jesus, he gives me a supernatural grace and a supernatural love. Doesn't mean I'm avoiding their issues, but I have a, I'm willing to be the redeemer and go first. God changed me, and then maybe they'll change. All my kids, I, I can't raise them anymore. They're, they're driving me nuts. I don't know what to do. No, when I look to Jesus, he gives me a grace for them. He gives me wisdom for them so I can start planting seeds into the soil of their heart now so when they are old, they will follow him even though they might be disobeying now. I'm still at work. Or oh, in my career, it seems like everyone else is getting let, off, let go. But no, I, I'm not looking at what everyone else is doing. I'm looking to Jesus because he's either my Jehovah Jireh or he is not. I'm looking to him. My inner world's falling apart, and I get that. That, that, that. that is on the rise in the world. But guess what? He's either the Prince of Peace or he's not. And he might get you with the counselor. He might get you into therapy. All those things are great. But more than anything, he wants to be your counselor, and he wants to care for your heart and soul. And he wants to rule and reign. So when I'm looking at all the problems in my heart in my life, I've lost sight of Jesus. My marriage is drowning. You lost sight of Jesus. My finances are struggling. You've lost sight of Jesus. You've allowed the wind and the waves of the culture of the world around you to push you out of the place of obedience. I don't know about you, but I'm not having it anymore. If it means I gotta get out to get to a new revelation of him, I'm willing to do it. And even when I fall, Peter failed. What happened? He cried out. He said, God, I need you. Jesus, I'm sinking. I tried, I had it going, I messed up. I took a step back, I regressed, I, I quit looking to you. I know you got me here, but I started looking at everything else that went wrong, and, and I'm slipping right now. And the Bible says, immediately, immediately. Hebrews 12, 2 says, we do all this, all this. What's the all this the writer of Hebrews is talking about? We shake off the sin that so easily ensnares us, and we run our race, your race, individual race, with endurance, with longevity, for eternity. We fulfill the purpose of heaven. Why? How do we do that? By looking unto Jesus. By keeping our eyes on Jesus. I love this version. It says he's a champion. He's undefeated. He's a champion who initiates and perfects our faith. We shake off the sin. I shake off the fear in my finances. Shake off the fear in my relationships. I shake off the fear that's keeping me up at night with anxiety and dread. And when we begin to sink and we've lost sight of Jesus, all we have to do is cry out. Verse 31, instantly Jesus reached out his hand and he grabbed him personally. He wasn't distant out of the boat and out of the boat where they thought he was a ghost. It wasn't just a supernatural being out there. He had his hands on them. In other words, you were in the grip of the grace of God. When you fail, when you step out in spite of fear, God's hand is still there. In the moment, instantly. That's the gospel. You fall, he still grabs you. You make a mistake, he still forgives you. You were going well, you get some momentum in your life, you begin to derail, you make a bad decision, it's a bad season, he grabs you, would you cry out? 
But I love this. When G Peter goes out in the boat and he's beginning to fail, and even in his failure, Jesus is strong and true. Rescues him. They go back to the boat, and then and only then do the waves die down. And then Peter brings Jesus back to the boat. The storm stops. And I want to say this. For some of you to risk and even feel like you fail, but people see you step out in obedience, and people see you live your life differently, and people see you serve, and see you love, and see you forgive, and see you give, in spite of the climate of the storms of the world around us, and you go out, and even if you don't get it right, you bring Jesus back, and the storm settles for everyone, not just Peter. And when you go through storms, you can help save others, because God is looking for a people that go first. And we have a city to reach. We have a kingdom to build. And God is looking for a people that will go first. Again, we do 40 days in 40 ways. Some things we're doing are cheese ball. It's like, buy a coffee for your friend. Well, buy a coffee for your pastor. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> like, we just want to get out of your comfort zone. We're showing up on Wednesdays in this room, and we're crying out. Not for God just to solve our problems. For God to reach the lost. We're, we're leaning in to getting out of a comfortable church so we can fulfill the calling and the purpose of heaven, not just for us, but for every individual in this house. And they climbed down to the boat. The winds died down, 33. Truly you are the son of God. And they, what started in a storm and worry ended in worship and peace. You in a storm right now? Maybe it's something you know you're called to do or obey that you haven't done. You know God's calling you out of the boat, calling you out of your comfort in the midst. You're pressing in even to the pressure. It starts in that, can, it ends in worship. A new revelation of Jesus. So I would say this, if worship is the end goal, why don't we worship even when the storm is brewing? Why don't you just choose to do the end goal of what God designed from the outset? Instead of, how am I going to figure this out? What does it look like to obey? I'm just going to worship. And the more I worship, my heart gets right aligned with his presence. And he begins to show me that, yes, this is a God move. I'm going to get out of what I've known to step into the unknown because God has something special for me, even in the midst of the pressure, the pain, and the storm that I am facing. Let me be your divine meteorologist for a moment. Storms are coming. They're going to happen. Problems will arise. You thought things were bad before, they could get worse. I don't forecast that as doom and gloom. But let me remind you, in the midst of every storm, you're a son and daughter of God. He looks after his own. He knows what he's doing in your life. Your marriage is not gonna hit rock bottom. It's gonna find the solid rock of Jesus Christ. You're gonna get through the storm. You're gonna get through the strife. You're gonna not just have peace for a moment. You're gonna have a whole new perspective of who you're called to be in that relationship. And you're gonna speak life over your spouse, over your husband, over your wife. And God's gonna grow you through the problem that you think is gonna separate you. It's actually gonna secure, secure you to the grip of his grace. Your finances, they're boiling to and fro from, from inflation. But your trust is not in Dow Jones or NASDAQ. Your trust is in Jehovah Jireh, the God who richly provides. And so this is an opportunity to step out of the unknown. Your kids, God has a purpose for their life. And if you stay the course and do your part, he will always do his part. And they're gonna fulfill God. We're gonna build a 100-year-old church in the making. Your kids will go farther than you because you're breaking genera generational curses and you're moving forward. And your grandkids will go farther than your kids because God is a God of blessing and favor from one generation to the next. Storms are coming, but you'll be secure. 
Why? Because you're even in unknown places in the grip of the grace of God. Truly, you are the son of God. You're not just my savior, you're my Lord. So what you say, I obey. So for you to step into the storm might be an act of obedience, an act of surrender, an act of faith. But friends, when you act, God acts. And God meets you in a place, you discover him in a new way. He picks you up even when you fail. And the whole world experienced a settling peace by you stepping into the unknown. Amen. Can you stand to your feet? And as you do, we're going to fix our eyes on Jesus for a few moments. There's a communion pack on your seat. If you're new to our church, you've never, um, you've never opened up what we'll call space communion. It's going to take you a hot minute. So just prepare it now. Mark chapter 14, and as they were eating, Jesus took the bread, and after blessing it, he broke it and gave it to them. This, in other words, is a gift from Jesus. This moment is not a spiritual ritual, it's not a church thing. This is something we do that Jesus said to remind us of what he's done for us, but this is a gift. We believe that as we're receiving this, it is a divine reminder to our heart, our soul, and our mind that we have the fullness of Christ living on the inside of us. But he says this, as he gives it to him, he says, take. In other words, you've gotta take it for yourself. It's a gift for all of us as believers, but you've gotta receive it for yourself. Take, this is my body. Jesus saying, all that I'm about ready to do is yours. You've gotta receive it for yourself. And then he took the cup and in giving thanks, he gave it to them and they had to drink it for themselves. And then he said to them, this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for the many. This is for everyone. Jesus for the many, but this is our opportunity as the many of church to receive it as individuals, to take it for yourself, the gift of Jesus. This is a new covenant. In other words, he's rewriting the ways that we connect with God. It is not by our works. I know I challenge you to step out of the boat of a natural act of obedience or a faith-filled step of action but it's not based upon your performance on a Tuesday. This is based upon the completion of the cross on that beautiful Friday where he gave it all for us. Now we can receive. Would you hold up the bread? Jesus, we believe that you are a gift. You gave your life to give us life, a life free from sin and shame, a life being made whole and being redeemed from our yesterday so that we can step into our future step into our purpose, step into our destiny. This is a gift, but we decide to receive it. We will take it. Lord, let us take all that comes in this new covenant. Forgiveness of sins, the buryment of our shame at the cross, a new spirit, a new heart, a new opportunity, fresh grace every morning, a new empowerment by the Holy Spirit to do things we could never do in our natural ability, supernatural gifting and a new purpose to proclaim, to reach the world around us. So if you God, you've given it to us through Christ, we're going to receive it. Let's receive it in the cup. Jesus, you said, do this in remembrance of me. Where we've lost sight of you, we now put our attention back on you. Our champion, our undefeated king, 
who began this good work is faithful to complete it. In the midst of storms, pressure, and pain, you're still faithful. Lord, I thank you that we're looking unto our champions so we can accomplish all this. We're shaking off the old and we're running our race into the new. With endurance, we will step out of the boat of our comfort and we will fulfill our calling because what you start in us, you're faithful to complete. Let's receive of the cup. Jesus, if your end goal was for not just to settle the storm, but for them to see you in a new perspective and then to worship you, Lord, we're gonna start with the end right now. No matter what we're facing in this world, we're gonna give you our best worship just for one minute. We're gonna pour it out to you. We're not gonna think about all of our problems or the pressure we're facing. We're gonna fix our attention on Jesus and we're gonna give him praise. And God, we thank you. And in this moment of collective worship, every individual heart is gonna give their best unto you. And Lord, I thank you. You're gonna meet with us and you're gonna speak stillness to every storm. And Lord, I thank you. You're gonna give us that step we're called to take and it will be a celebration step because we're gonna be closer to you. So Jesus, we give you our worship and we give you our praise from the beginning. Before you deliver us and before you settle the problems, we praise you in advance. Come on, church, let's worship him.